Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is Missions Month, and and uh, I try to, most of the time, preach a message on missions. And, and um, you may be thinking, okay, how are you going to preach a message on missions out of 1 Samuel chapter 17? Well, just hang with me. I think it will make sense, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> this morning... Uh, you get two for the price of one. Uh, <clears throat> you get two sermons this morning. Isn't that awesome? I am getting no reaction. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting something, but I mean, it would just went. Um, no, but seriously, I, I have uh, two messages for you this morning. Um, and they're both very short, I think. Um, so... But what what happened was recently, I was helping Melanie um, get her uh, junior church uh, message ready for the little people down in Unit 112 um, a week or two ago. I, I I'm not sure, but <clears throat> she was teaching on Dave, David and Goliath, and as I was helping her get stuff ready for the her 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 lesson. A thought came into my mind, and I and I couldn't get rid of it. It just it, it for several days. It it just over and over and over in my head, and I kept thinking, man, what? Okay, God, are you wanting me to preach a message on this? So I prayed about it, and and God gave me some thoughts, and so here you go. This is it. Um, my thought was this. This is this is what kept going over and over in my mind. How did David have the fortitude to stand and fight Goliath? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we, we see the story, and those of you that grew up in, in uh, uh, going to church, and maybe some of you in Sunday school or junior church like is taking place now, you hear these stories and you think, ooh, wow, that's really cool. But how, how did David have the fortitude to do that. And the more I thought about it, the more I became overwhelmed with the thought that someone could have enough faith in God to stand before unbelievable odds and do right. That was a huge obstacle that he had to overcome. And how, how did he get there? And we're going to talk about that this morning. And there are times in our lives where we look around us and the obstacles are the, for, the, for the, our, our, uh, the sake of the message this morning, the, the giants that surround us, the, the events of life, that be, can become so overwhelming. And so, we, and, and as we stand there and we look at these things in our lives and we think, there's no way. There is no way I can get through this. Have you all ever been there? Most of us have. Say, but... 
Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. And, and, and the reality is, you know, I, I may, probably I don't. But how did David get through it? And then Missions Month. Missions Month. Well, here, here we have the command of go ye into all the world and, and preach the gospel. Now, how many of you think that that is a possible task? for every individual to go through the entire world and preach the gospel. That's impossible. It's physically impossible. But God told us to do it. So how do we do it? Giants in our lives come in all shapes and sizes, do they not? Types, shapes, sizes. I mean, you name it, Satan can figure it out. And he'll bring them into your life every time. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's start reading uh, in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shokah, uh, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and uh, Azekah and Ephedam. I guess that's how you say those names. I don't know. Um, but anyway, verse 2. And, and, uh, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah uh, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the, on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was a great valley between. This is an incredible picture that God is giving us here in the Word of God. You have two great armies that are separated by a huge valley. They're, one's on one mountain, one's on the other. And they're getting ready to, 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 to go to battle. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits in a span. And, a, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat, of, coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had uh, graves of brass upon his legs and target uh, of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear, uh, his spear's head uh, weighed 600 shekels of iron. One and one uh, bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out and set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants of Saul, choose you a man uh, from you. And let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him I, and kill him, <clears throat> then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for 
David and his incredible faith, but Lord, this morning I do ask that you would help us to look deep into David's life and get a glimpse into his life and, and Lord, the incredible faith that he had. Lord, help us to grow our faith as well. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. David here is facing incredible odds. In verse 11, let's, get, let's continue reading in verse 11. It says, uh, And when Saul and all Israel heard those words that, uh, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and what? Greatly afraid. They were scared to death. They were scared to death. Standing on their side of the valley, looking down uh, at Goliath, fear entered the camp of, of Israel. And David, the youngest brother of eight, was sent by his father to the battle. I don't understand quite why, but I, I've read some things that said that when when the armies like this would get together, it was part of part of the each family's responsibility to provide food and and provisions for their sons and fathers and stuff. So it wasn't necessarily the army's responsibility; it was the family. So anyway, so the 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 idea here was that David, his father, sends David to the battle to bring food and provisions for his brothers that were in the battle and to get a report and then bring it back. But I want to talk about David here for a minute because David David was just an average young man. And you, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let, let, I'm glad you asked me that because I'm going to answer it. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 and 12, it says, And, and, uh, uh, and Samuel said unto Jesse, uh, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come, uh, come hither. Now verse 12 of, this, of, of 1 Samuel chapter 16 gives us a physical description of David. It says this in verse 12, it says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, that means he had red hair, okay? Probably had red, reddish colored skin. And withal a, of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him. For this is he. So in other words, David was just average looking. It says here in this physical description here that he had a beautiful countenance. What what is what what what, what does that mean? Okay, he was a good he, he, he was a good person on the inside, but to look at him, yeah, you know, yeah, just kind of average. This is a polite way of saying there's nothing special about the guy. 
but he's a really good person on the inside. And as we know, David was a man of great character, a very, a very fine individual with his, 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 his character. So he did have a beautiful countenance, but to, yeah, to look at him, yeah, he's just an average guy. Red hair, probably had a little, uh, looked like he got sunburned all the time. He was ruddy. And he's a little on the small side. So his dad sends him to the battle to bring provisions. And while he's there, he hears Goliath's challenge. Look at verse 22 of our passage here. And David left uh, his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran uh, into the army and came uh, and saluted his brethren and he and excuse me and as he talked with them behold there came up uh, the champion of the Philistines of Gath Goliath by name and out of the army of Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them and David's response was very different from everybody else's response look at verse 29 <clears throat> And David said, "What have I? Uh, what ha- what have I now done? Is there not a cause?" And what happened was in in the verses that I skipped, and I did that because of time's sake. We just don't have time to cover the entire thing. But <clears throat> David hears it and he gets mad and he tells his brothers why why is nobody going out to fight this guy and his brothers chastise him and and that's why david david says here you know what have i done i haven't done anything wrong but isn't there a cause isn't there a point to all of this david Makes the announcement, I'll go find him. A little short, ruddy, kind of normal looking little guy. Says, hey, I'll take him on. What a nut. Just saying, right? Well, King David, or, or King Saul, hears, hears about the fact that David's willing or, or stupid enough to go fight the giant. And Saul calls him into his, into his tent and he says, here, <clears throat> are you sure you want to do this? And David convinces him, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take him on. And he says, well, here, at least take my armor. Well, you've got to stop and think. Um, those of you that know the story, what did, what did King Saul look like physically? The Bible says he was head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. He was big. He was a big guy. And then he gives him, he, he tries to give David his armor. That's like, you know, <laughs> you know, just, you know I, I just see it, you know. So David says, no, I don't need it. <clears throat> and the fight is on. Look at verse 40. 
And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And, you know, the little side note here, I've, I've heard people argue about why did he pick up five stones? I don't know. Just picked up five stones. I, you know, anyway. I know he had four brothers and all that stuff, but, you know, who cares? He just picked up five stones. Anyway. <clears throat> Uh, out of the brook and put him in his <clears throat> shepherd's bag, which he had, even uh, in a in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came uh, <clears throat> came on and uh, drew near unto David, and the men that bear the shield went before him. So here we are on the on the. On the, on the cusp of a battle between David and Goliath. The title of my message, I, I should have told you already, is uh, the, uh, the Giants Are Too Big. The Giants Are Too Big. And we look at this picture of this little guy, little red-headed guy, probably, you know, at this time he was still probably a teenager, maybe in his early, early 20s, but probably still a teenager with a sling and five stones standing against this champion. And we look at that and we think, at least I do, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if you're like me, I look at that and think, the guy's crazy. Humanly speaking, he's, he's, he's out of his mind. I told you I'm going to give. I'm, I'm preaching two sermons this morning. So here's sermon number one, point number one. You need to identify the enemy. You need to identify the enemy. Here, here, Goliath was very well known. He, he. The Bible says that he was a champion. That means that he was a seasoned warrior. He had a reputation of being a vicious killer. He was a champion soldier. This was not a this was not a first time for him and a first time for David. No, this was he was a champion. He had proven himself on the battlefield. And Israel and the uh, the Philistines were neighbors. So what happened in Philist in the in the land of the Philistines? The it, the the Jews knew, and what happened in the in the land of Israel, the Philistines knew. And, and so Goliath's reputation had to have been well known. That's why fear came into the camp of Israel when Goliath stood and made the challenge. He was six cubits and a span. That, if you don't know, is nine foot nine inches tall. That is a big guy. Okay, the helmet that he wore was a helmet of brass. He was armed with a coat of mail <clears throat> that weighed uh, 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 five thousand shekels of brass, which means that uh, what it was is it was a kind of like a body armor that with it, it, we would look at it today and think it would look like fish scales. You know, one on top of the other. 
but it's estimated that the 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 armor that he wore, the chest armor that he wore, weighed 125 pounds. That's probably more than David weighed. Soaking wet. He had uh, graves upon his legs, or, or basically shin guards to protect his legs. He had a target uh, between his shoulders. In other words, uh, a big brass plate behind him to protect from uh, any attack that would come from the rear. The head of his spear weighed five pounds. That's just the spear. The head of the spear weighed five pounds. Have you ever tried to throw five pounds? Yeah, it wouldn't go far. His, his shield was so heavy, he had to have somebody carry it for him. He had a shield bearer that went before him. So what would happen was as, as Goliath would then go into battle, he would the, the shield bearer, just before the battle, he would give the shield to, to uh, Goliath and Goliath would then take it into battle. This is one big guy. Giants are too big. We look at that and we think, David doesn't have a chance. I can imagine what the king was thinking, King Saul, when, when he said, okay, David, go out. It was nice knowing you, buddy. I'm sure that's what, David, what Saul was thinking. You don't have a chance, man. There are times in our lives where we look at our circumstances and we think, we don't have a chance. So you need to identify the enemy. The second thing, you need to identify the cause. And we already read it. Uh, what was the cause? What was the real cause? The, 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 the real cause was not Goliath. And so often, what do we do? We, we focus on the Goliaths and we miss the real cause. What is the real cause here? The reputation of God. And David was able to identify the real cause. The cause had nothing to do with Goliath. And if we will approach our problems of life the same way that David did, instead of focusing on the problem, we focus on the cause. It puts everything in perspective. Look at verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. See, David understood that the cause was far greater than this guy standing out there yelling and screaming. And so often we forget to realize the cause can be a variety of things in our lives. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I have a question for you. Why was fear in the camp of Israel? They were focused on the wrong thing. Look at verse 8. Go back, go back and look at verse 8. And I have this, I, I have the, the end part of verse 8 underlined. It says, And they stood. Uh, and he stood and cried unto the army, armies of Israel and said unto them, <clears throat> Why are you come out to set the battle in array? This is what I have underlined right here. Am not I a Philistine and ye servants of Saul? What had happened to the army? They were serving the small K king, Saul. Instead of the king of kings. See, they had, they had missed the cause. David was able to challenge Goliath because he was serving the king of kings, not the king the human king, King Saul. So, number one, identify the enemy. Number two, identify the cause. <clears throat> number three, identify <clears throat> the victor. Identify the victor. Look at verse 42. And when the Philistines looked about, and saw David, he, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and fi of fair countenance. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with, uh, with staves? And the, and the Philistines uh, cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the fields. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hands, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and will give thy carcass to the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear. And the battle, uh, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David haste and ran toward the army uh, to meet the Philistine. And David put in uh, put his hand in his in his bag and took thence a stone and sling it and smote the Philistine in the forehead and the stone sunk into the forehead and he fell down uh, upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in, in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath there, thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. David came in the name of the Lord. See, the true victor here was not David. The true victor here was God. David did not say that all the earth may know that I've arrived. Isn't that how we like to act? What did David say? That all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. See, who's the victor? The victor is God, not David. But that still doesn't answer the question, how did David have the audacity to stand before Goliath and challenge him to a fight. Now, we, we understand that David trusted in God. We, have, we, we know that. But how did David get to the point in his life where he, went, he was a young boy that, that had that kind of confidence? How, how did, did he get it from just reading the Bible? I don't believe so. Did he get it because his daddy told him it was going to be like that? I, I don't think so. I think we get a glimpse into the, the faith of David in verse 32. Go back to verse 32. When, when David was talking to the king, David says this, and in verse 32 it says, And David said uh, to Saul, Let no man's heart faint because of him, Thy servant will go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. This is the important part right here. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's, his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, 
and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when I when he arose against me, I caught him <clears throat> by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. How did David get to the point in his life where he could stand before a giant of a man and know that God was going to protect him? Because God had already proven himself faithful in David's life against a lion and a bear. Now there's a really, 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 really important lesson here. God will take us through seasons in life. Giants, if you would. Lions and bears. And you think, oh God, please, I don't want to go through this. But what is he doing? He's preparing you for something bigger down the road. He's proving his faith, for lack of better terms, in small ways. Now, a lion and a bear is not a small thing, but you you understand. I hopefully you understand uh, what I'm what I'm talking about. But God will prove Himself. And then the next thing, he will prove himself again. And the next thing, he'll prove himself again. And then that down the road later, as, as your life gets more complicated and there are more giants and you think, God, it is absolutely impossible to do what you want me to do. You can look back to your life and say, wait a minute. I can do this because I know because you've done this for me in the past. That's exactly how David understood that he could fight this giant of a man and God would get the glory for it. Because David understood it was not in his own strength. So here's sermon number two. You ready? Sermon number two. Number one, identify the enemy. As I thought about this, I, I thought of, almost immediately, I thought of Job. Job was a, was a, man, did he go through it. Those of you that are familiar with the story of Job know that Job lost everything. His wealth, his home, his family. He lost everything but his wife within a matter of just a few minutes. He, he lost everything. And it, within just a matter of, conservatively speaking, 30 minutes. Probably shorter period of time than that. But within just a matter of a few minutes, he lost everything. But the secret about Job is he never lost sight of the real enemy. Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22, says, And then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and cursed God. No, it doesn't say that. He worshipped. Amen. 
and said, Naked came I into my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. See, Job never lost the focus of who the enemy is. Job, Job said, look, I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. So what? It's just stuff. See, but what happens in our lives? I see it all the time. People go through hard times and what do they do? They, they quit going to church. They get mad at God. Why? Because they're focused on the wrong enemy. Feel better? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Just as David knew that Goliath had all the weapons, he had all the armor, he was stronger, he was bigger, he had all the advantages, David knew his God was greater. David understood who the real enemy was. And sometimes we stand and look at the massive situations in our lives and, and get overtaken by all of the problems. And, and then we turn the TV on and we talk and we hear about wars in Israel and this thing and that thing. And, 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 and we get so consumed with all of this stuff that we, we tend to focus on the wrong enemies. But pastor, you don't understand. No, I don't. I have never walked in your shoes. But I have been in the battle. Try walking in my shoes. <laughs> you know, I say that jokingly, but what I mean by that is, you know, we all, we all have problems. You know, just I literally have people that oh well you're a pastor you don't have any problems you don't need, you only work one day a week <laughs> we all have problems we all have giants in our lives but we need to understand who the real enemy is Jeremiah chapter twenty uh, excuse me thirty two verse twenty seven. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No. There's nothing too hard for God. We look at the command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And we think, wait a minute, God, that's impossible. God has never given us a command, and that is a command. He's never given us a command that we cannot accomplish. So how do we do it? We do it through missions, through giving our financial support to support other people so that they can go. That's just one way. There are many, many other ways. Identifying the enemy. Number two. You ready for this? 
identifying the cause. Identifying the cause. God allows giants into your life and into my life for two main reasons. At least the way I think, there's there's two main reasons. Number one is to build character in your life. Number two is to grow your faith in his ability to take care of you. See, David was able to do the miraculous because he had already fought the lion and the bear. Goliath was just another obstacle because he was able to understand the right cause. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 or uh, 5 through 7, excuse me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. The cause of missions is loud and clear in the Bible. We have a world to reach. A world of people that desperately need Christ. And we need people who are willing to give financially to support missionaries so that our church can send more missionaries to more countries to reach more people. And our church needs to send missionaries We need to raise up young people who are willing to say, here am I, God, send me. Joseph is another perfect example of somebody who understood the cause. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people. How did, how did Joseph endure all the things that Joseph endured? Because he, he understood, he had identified the right enemy, and he un- understood the right cause. Number three, identify the victor. This is not about you, it's about him. It's not about us. It's not about, it's not about Grace Baptist Church. It's about Him. First John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because <clears throat> that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the, the scapegoat or the, uh, the replacement, if you would, for our sins. That's what missions is all about. 
But as we look around and we see the problems in our lives, and we see the obstacles and the burdens and all of the things of this world, we can get so consumed because we focus on those things. And that's what happened at the, in, 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 at the battle. The armies of Israel were focused on the giant and they had lost focus of the cause. And because of that, they could not see a victor in it all. But when you understand who the right enemy is and you understand what the right cause is, seeing the victor is really pretty simple is always going to be God. I have a picture here for you. <clears throat> These are five men who were killed in the Amazon jungle in 1956. In January of 1956, five missionaries tried to reach a remote tribe in the country of Ecuador. Shortly after landing their plane, a, a, um, <clears throat> uh, the very people that they were trying to reach with the gospel were the ones that killed them. Robert Yegorian, Peter Fleming, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and Ed McCauley. Less than three years after the five men's death, Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint, Nate's sister, made contact with the Aka Indians. Many of them were saved and their lives radically changed. Within two years, the homicide rate within the tribe dropped over 90%. God did a miraculous work in the hearts of these people because of five Committed men. The following quotes that I'm about to read came from two of them that kept diaries. Nate Saint wrote this, And people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble is burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Jim Elliot wrote this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot gain <clears throat> for what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot also wrote this, when it comes time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. No regrets. These men committed their lives to Christ. They overcame incredible obstacles. They fought many giants in their lives, so to speak, so that they could go to the jungles of Ecuador and die at the hands of a brutal people. And we think that's not fair. 
But who's the enemy? What's the cause? And who's the victor? I'll say this. I don't know how many, but because of the death of these five men, thousands upon thousands of young people in America dedicated their lives to serving missions because these five men gave their lives. The numbers are staggering. The five men willing to do what God called them to do, who understood the victor is God. You think the call to missions, go into all the world and preach the gospel, it's impossible. It is if you're looking at the wrong giant. And you don't understand the cause. But more importantly, you have no idea who the victor is. But if you understand those three things, giving money, praying for missionaries, is, is easy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we, as we close our service <clears throat> this this morning, I do ask that you would challenge us. And Lord, help us to see and to know the power that you can demonstrate in our lives if we would but let you. We are so thankful and grateful that you are a mighty and powerful God. Help us to never lose focus on that. With every head bowed and every